Hi, my name is Barry Sterling Mitchell. Today is October 12, 2022, and this is Ben and Barry on football. What's up out there, y'all? This is Ben Dickerson. I'm your co-host. We always talk about the second preseason being the first four games of the regular season, especially now since the real preseason has been shortened. And so many starters don't actually play during the real preseason. Therefore, it takes them a little bit a little bit of time to get going. Well, not only did that happen, but it also took me a little bit of time to get going with my picks. But I think I'm out of my haze. I went 13 and three last week, baby. Let's go. Oh, nice. Let's nice. go. You hit the nail on the head about the second preseason because the net point rankings jumped to 60%. And we were down in the 35% over those first four games. In the stock market, they call it volatility. Right, right, <laughs> you know exactly. I mean? Guys, it's up and down. Just because I beat you bad, you know, beat this team bad yesterday, don't mean I can turn around and do it to this guy because we don't have our act together like exactly. that. Exactly. You know, it just, you know, so much of those things happen. We're going to talk a little bit about what happened. We're going to look at it. Um, we have the Sterling Pro Football Net Point Power Rankings coming up. I put out the top five. I don't know if you saw that, Ben. Uh, the top five in the net point rankings. No, I actually did not look at that. I just put it out on my personal page. It was a sneak okay. for my uh, Facebook friends. Right. And one of my Facebook friends, Mark Russell, <laughs> how are you going to have these guys ahead of the Eagles? <laughs> Eagles. <laughs> okay. The Eagles, I know. The Eagles don't have any losses. Mark Russell. I hope you're watching. Friend of the show, okay? Have you not been watching long enough to realize that our system is based solely on the numbers, not just wins and losses? Not wins and losses. Net points. Right. Net As I said, this points. is not a wins-losses ranking. This is a net point power exactly. ranking. Exactly. <laughs> That's what we makes us different from everybody else. We've been doing this long enough now that we see where it holds true in so many situations on two stats, basically. Right. On two stats. If you can go 60% on two stats, geez. And then you add some, as I tell people, this is just your baseline. If you were right. going to bet, I, I wouldn't say bet just on the power net point power rankings. Have some other information that you add to that baseline, you know what I mean? Well, first of all, like you talked about injuries, right? right? You know, sometimes you don't know that information and it'll change between when we record on Wednesdays and they go to play on Sunday. So that, that makes a, a big difference. Weather can make a difference. You know, we've seen that, you know, impact things. And then there's just the things that there's just no hint that these are going to happen. For example, I put out a kudos to the offensive coordinator of the Detroit Lions. <laughs> Being a high-scoring team in the league. Unbelievable. Soon as you praise them. Oh, my goodness. I had to go look them up. I didn't know who it was, you know? We still don't know who it is, for real, for real. 
No, no, we know who it is. It's it's, it's Deuce Staley. Mm. Oh no, it's not. That's not the offensive coordinator. Not not that, not according to what they have on their website. Oh, that's not his official title. Okay, no, I got it. I think he was actually like what is it? Assistant head coach, He's a, assistant head title. coach, and running backs coach, or something yeah, like something that. like that. You know, right. Right. Um, it's it again, or run he's run game coordinator. Right. I mean when I'm doing research, the 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 um there's no standardization or very little I should say standardization. Like if I go to the NFL site and then I click on the team and go to the Viking site or then go to the Cardinals site, there's so much that's different, you know? Yeah. And yeah. some of them I think it was the the Eagles still didn't have their depth chart. Post, yeah. you know, so you know it, it's 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 like that. But yeah, as soon as I gave them, ah, I gave them the, all those kudos. <laughs> they let they let. Wait a minute, wait a minute. What's his name? Quarterback for the um, Patriots. Oh, Zappy, Zappy. They let Bailey Zappy <laughs> come in, here, put up twenty nine, and then the Patriots. Oh my goodness. Shut them boys out. Nothing. You went from first to worst. <laughs> You're not supposed Crazy. to go in that direction. But that's why we love it. So, yeah, second preseason came along. Things was volatile. You know, teams, you know, looked like they could do something and couldn't do anything. And you're finding out who's what, you know, and who's missing who. You know, when you start, you know, they mentioned Devontae Adams leaving the Packers. You know what I mean? Right. And we know that that was a big hit. But Scantling, which I know you're not as big a fan of Scantling. No, I'm not. Scantling had his role in that offense True. because of his speed. True. You know what I mean? And so he's gone too. And they're talking about how they've changed in the way that they're they're running their offense with the quick shorts, this and the, you know, the 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 um the quick outs to the wide receiver and all of that type of play stuff before you was going downfield. <laughs> right, right, right. So, uh, so much happened. All right. Let's get to it because we're going to talk about what happened in week five and wrap it up with the net point power rankings. And then we're going to look out on week six with the bias plus reports. Let me remind people, this is the Sterling Pro Football Net Point Power Rankings. These are the averages, which include weeks one through five, okay? So it's not any one particular week. This is what this is the body of work for the season that these teams have put together so far. And ANP stands for average net points, APF average points for, APA average points against, and ATOD average turnover differential. So the net points is the difference between the points for and the points against. And the bias plus takes look takes a look at the difference between the net points of the two teams that are matched up and the turnover differential. We put smush all those numbers together and come out with a bias plus report. So that's basically how we do it, Mark. <laughs> let's go to the number one team Ben's uh, AFC favorite Buffalo Bills 
Number two and number three are tied. That surprised me. We talk about the neighborhoods. Look at this neighborhood. And, and number, as you can see, it says two in both, but you know, one's a three, just in the order of things. So we went to 10. Same thing happened with Dallas and Baltimore. Um, but you're talking, and again, net points can either be positive or negative. At any one time, half the league is in the negative. Because if you lose, you have a negative net point situation. So these are all positives. And as you can see, it gets down close to one. So Buffalo looks really strong right now. San Francisco and, and the Eagles at 9.4 net points on average per game. Again, that is the margin on average of victory. So Buffalo's margin of victory is that big. And everybody else is that big or <laughs> smaller. Uh, Kansas City, 6.8. They, they weren't looking like, um, like uh, giant killers early on. Uh, but they're getting their act together. Jacksonville is still hanging in there at number five. Very interesting with Jacksonville here. Um, keeping my eye on them. 4.2 uh, average net points per game is the same for both Dallas and Baltimore. Man, we're going to talk about that Baltimore. It was at, I saw three cold-blooded touchdowns that um Lamar overthrew that that, that wasn't yeah, his total he, game but there was at least three of those he, he hits those and they, they, they're scoring like Buffalo yeah he didn't have his best game uh this past weekend he was off uh Tampa Bay coming in at four Cincinnati at 3.8 and Minnesota at 2.6 average net points. So as you can see, if you look at Minnesota, for example, if their margin of victory is less than three points. Um, you know, Benny, did the uh, intriguing game of the week last week. And what was the intriguing game of the week? Remind me because I texted you asking that question and you never got back to me. I sent you a picture of the, of the bias plus on it. I don't think I got that. Well, we'll worry about that later. But yeah, I know I responded to you. It, it was what was the, it? It was um, Bengals um, Ravens. It was Bengals Ravens. Okay, because I was kind of hoping it was uh, Dolphins Jets. <laughs> Didn't the Dolphins play the Jets? Dolphins. Yeah, I was hoping it was. I was hoping it was Dolphins Jets because you had the former 49er defensive coordinator versus the former 49er offensive coordinator in that game. <laughs> yeah. I, I, for some reason, I thought that's what it was, but I was incorrect. So The, the challenge yeah. with, with, with this intriguing game is that generally there is more than one. There could be two, three, or four. Like in the week coming up, I have at least four highlighted that I'm looking at right now. Yeah, but you can only pick one and you never pick San Francisco. So – you know, I try to put it together in my head, <laughs> what would be intriguing to you, but I'm always swayed by what's actually intriguing to me. That was intriguing that to sense. me. I understand. Through you. you nobody <laughs> really knows what's going on up in this black box right here. Yeah, I'm so sure. Yeah, you know. <laughs> APF, average points four. That's the scoring, okay? Kansas City is now in first place at 31.8 points per game. 
just a little bit ahead of Buffalo at 30.4. Now, ladies and gentlemen, notice Buffalo is first in net points, right? We look at net, the difference, okay? As in anything, there's a positive and a negative. In business, it's called a balance sheet or, or income statement where you got assets and liabilities, income and expenses, and that's how it is. There's always both, and you have to look at both. So Buffalo, 30.4, third place, Detroit, 28 points per game on average. This is what uh, Detroit was scoring, and this is – and they were in first place. So they dropped two places based on that last loss. Baltimore, 27.6 points per game. And that kind of tells you a little something. If Baltimore's average net points is 4.2 and they're scoring 27, almost 28 points a game. <laughs> Cleveland, 26.6. Seattle, 25.4. Let me throw my apologies out to Gino right now, okay? Because even if he lost, Gino's slinging that rock. <laughs> okay, I just got to get him uh, in his dues because uh, I was on him tough. L.A. Chargers, La Chargers, 24.4 points per game. What do you think, Benny? Atlanta in 10th place, scoring 23.6 points per game. Not impressed. I'm surprised. You said not impressed. I'm like, they're in the top 10. I'm going to give them that. Shucks. Okay. It's a low five, if not a high five. Come on, man. Okay. Yeah. Well, guess what? So they scored 23.6. Detroit scored 28. What are, you, what, what are we talking about here? Well, I'm saying they're in the top 10. Okay. Know, with Mariota at quarterback. Okay. All right. I see you. I see you. Well, let's see. And APA, average points against, you have a tie for first, San Francisco and Buffalo at 12.2 points per game. That's all they're giving up on average, those two teams. Dallas is only giving up 14.4 points per game. Jacksonville, 16. Denver, 16. Tampa Bay, 16.6. That gets us down to sixth place, seventh place, Philly, 17.6. Cincinnati, 17.8. Getting close. Giants, 18.6 points per game in ninth place. And the Colts at 18.8 points per game is what they're giving up for 10th place to round off the top 10 in defensive scoring. Anything on that? Now go ahead and finish. Average turnover differential. Philadelphia is now in first place at 1.8. I believe there's some skew in that number, but we'll move on <laughs> to Dallas at one, tied with Baltimore at one. Again, average turnover differential, like net points can go both positive and negative. Your next three spots are all 0.6, average turnover differential per game. That's Tampa Bay, Arizona, and Buffalo. I'm sorry, that's Houston, Tampa Bay, and Arizona. Buffalo and the Chargers are tied at 0.4 points per game. So that's less, just up above and just below half of a turnover differential per game. Pittsburgh and Jacksonville at 0.2. Jacksonville at one point in the first uh, four games was in first place in uh, average turnover differential. And then they played Philly 
in the Rain Bowl, and that number changed changed drastically. Um, as I said, I don't think that uh, Trevor Lawrence Trevor Lawrence has done enough work with a wet football. <laughs> I'd make I'd make him stand in the shower with the water running and take snaps. <laughs> yeah, he didn't look good. Did not look good at all. All right. From 11th through 20th in net points, we have the Giants at plus two, Cleveland at 1.6, New England at plus one, Green Bay at point two. That's that's called squeaking into the positive. <laughs> Green Bay, after they ran into that buzzsaw in England. <laughs> The Jets at negative 0.4, Atlanta at negative 0.8. See, that's what I was saying. That's why I was um, impressed that Atlanta was up there. And what you call their defense was really, hmm, we'll talk about it. Vegas Raiders minus one tied with Denver at minus one. And Houston and New Orleans are tied for 19th and 20th place at negative 2.6. So from the Jets, Atlanta, Vegas, Denver, New Orleans, and Houston, all in the negative numbers on average net points. Anything on that? Nothing surprising here. Just the Giants are knocking on the door of the top 10. I got to love it. Yes, yes, yes. Average points four. This is the scoring from 11th through 20th. We have the Jets, New Orleans, Miami, Minnesota, and Jacksonville. Uh, from the Jets down to Minnesota, we're at about 23 points per game that they're scoring. Jets are just a little above that at 23.2. Jacksonville's coming in at 22.2. The Niners at 21.6. Cincinnati, 21.6. Arizona, 21. Tampa Bay, 20.6. And New England. Billy Zappi tied with Tom Brady, baby. 20.6 points per game. You think about the neighborhoods, again, in terms of scoring and defense and things of that nature, when you look at where some of these teams are and you go, man, you know, I never expected that team to be down there with that team. But that's how it works, man. Um, New Orleans, 23 points per game, coming in 12th place uh, with Jameis on the sideline there. So um, very interesting. Let's talk about the defense, 11 through 20. 11, Green Bay, 12, New England. That's 19.2 and 19.6 points per game. 13, Houston, 19.8. Minnesota, 20.4 points per game they're allowing. Chicago, 21.2. The Rams, 23.2. That's a, a, a surprising one. And then the other one that's in that neighborhood is Baltimore, 23.4. Uh, points per game that they are allowing just a tad better than the Jets at 23.6 and 20 and Tennessee both at 23.6 Atlanta 24.4 points per game so that's how you get into the the negative there you could be scoring well if you're giving up too many points you wind up in the negative turnover differential 11th through 20th the Niners, Tennessee, the Giants, Cincinnati, Seattle, and Minnesota all tied at point two. That takes you from 11th through 16th. 
And then we're at an even break even zero for Chicago, the Jets, Cleveland, and Kansas City, taking us to 20th place there. So those are your that's the second tier. You had your top 10. Now you got that middle. This is that middle group. And we expect that some of this middle group, now that we're out of the second preseason, will start to get their act together a little bit better. I know Jimmy G's talking about getting in shape. He wasn't exactly in shape when he was out there before, and he hadn't really looked at a playbook. And I mentioned that I didn't think that they were really um, building plays, you know, to toward the strength or that playbook more toward the strength. They had to switch it over from Trey Lance, which was a different playbook in terms of what they wanted from the quarterback. So um, all of that stuff is getting worked out now. So who you like in this middle group? Well, the Giants. if I only look at average net points, when you say who do I like, you mean who do I think is starting to get their act together, could possibly move into the top 10? Yeah. Because at this point, I'm surprised, I'm a little surprised at Cleveland, but I'm not really surprised at anybody else. I'm a little surprised that Cleveland's not in the top 10. And I'm just a tiny bit surprised that the Giants are knocking on the door to get into the top 10. My guess would be that the Giants will be top 10 by next week. You can hold me to that if you wish. Okay, I'm looking at the schedule. Yeah, okay, we shall see. We shall see. In any event... Benny, that was a bold statement. Was it? Yeah. We'll okay. talk about it. Let's move on to the bottom group. That would be 21 through 32. Now, this is all in terms of, especially in terms of net points in the negative. Uh, these are teams that, you know, could make a move into the positive, but they've got some issues. 21, Chargers at minus 2.8. Miami at minus 3.2. 22nd, 23rd, Arizona minus 3.6. 24th, Chicago minus 4. Tennessee is 25th at minus 4.4. These are all average net points. Indianapolis minus 5. Seattle minus 5.4. Carolina minus 5.8. And 28th place, 29th, Detroit minus 6. 30th, here you go, the L.A. Rams, minus 7.2. A tad above the Washington Commanders at minus 7.6. And in last, very last place, after the beatdown of a lifetime from Buffalo, is the Pittsburgh Steelers at minus 10.2 points per game. Man. Buffalo knows how to come come out and put the put the foot down on them, don't they? Yeah, but Pittsburgh is really a shell of themselves right now. Defensively, I think is the bigger surprise here. Let's look at the defensive side. Or the, well, first of all, let's look at the offensive side. That's the next column. Average points four, twenty first place. Giants at twenty point six. Green Bay nineteen point four. Tennessee, 19.2, that's 21 to 23. 24th place is Dallas, 18.6. That's Cooper Rush. Carolina, 18.6, they're tied with Dallas for uh, 
24th and 25th place. Washington, 18 points per game. Chicago, 17.2. Houston, 17.2. The Rams, 16. Pittsburgh, 15.4. Denver, 15. And Indianapolis, 13.8 points per game for the last place in scoring in the NFL. If I, told you, if I told you at the beginning of the season that a quarter of the way through, the Giants would be averaging more points per game than Green Bay, Tennessee, Dallas, and the Rams, you'd think I was crazy, right? Yeah, absolutely. There you have it. Absolutely. The now, I know I'm talking about the Giants a lot, and everybody can obviously see that I'm a Giants fan, but this is really a, a beautiful work of art that's going on here from my New York football giants. And I have to revel in this a little bit because we weren't expected to do anything this year, anything. Now 21st and scoring ain't a whole lot to brag about, but obviously we're getting it done on the defensive side enough to pull out wins. And that's all we got to do. I mean, that's all you look for from your team is win games and get ready for the following week. So here you have it. There you have it, ladies and germs. Mm. That's a good coffee right there. 24.4 points per game is in 21st place for the average points against the Carolina Panthers. 22nd place is the Cardinals at uh, 24.6 points per game. Cleveland and Kansas City tie for 23rd and 24th place at 25 points per game that they're giving up. Washington and Pittsburgh still is giving up 25.6 points per game. Interesting that when the uh, whole point thing with a whole controversy with uh, Rivera, when they asked him, you know, what's going on with your team, what the problem is, and he said quarterback, you know, paraphrasing here and set off a firestorm that he out, um, you know, Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz has his own is issues. We talked about him plenty of times. He's in my brain fart category, which the rest of the world still has yet to realize what's going on. And they still want to know what's going on. Why is this guy like that? Because oh, he has these brain farts, you know. In any event, 25.6, 25.6, 25.6 is what they're giving up. I did not hear Rivera talk about his defense. However, he said quarterback. You could have threw that defense in there. Las Vegas, 26. Miami, 26.2. The Chargers, 27.2. Seattle. Seattle got it. Seattle was getting it from the Lions. <laughs> That's why they're down there, 30.8. Speaking of, they were at one point actually first in scoring and last in defensive scoring. They're still last in defensive scoring, but they dropped down to about third place offensively um and then in turnover differential as we said also positive and negative um so you're looking at 21st through 32nd i'll just name this group denver atlanta las vegas detroit miami new england carolina green bay the rams indianapolis washington and new orleans so that's the bottom 12 
in terms of turnovers and all but Denver, which is at a break even zero, are in the negatives, just slightly negative for most of them, 0 0.2, 0 0.4. But then you get into the Rams, Washington, and New Orleans at, at 1 1.6, 1.4, 1 1.2. Long story short, more than one turnover uh, per game that they're averaging. So they're losing uh, one. You know, they, they, they might get three, but they're giving up four <laughs> plus. So that's why it's uh, uh, a differential that we look at. All right, Benny, that wraps up the uh, the summary of week five for the Stony Pro Football Net Point Power Rankings. Any final words on that? Well, first of all, while we got this page up, it's very obvious, and we say it all the time, if you look at these teams that are ranked in turnover differential from number 21 down to number 32, they're all in the negative except for Denver that's zero on board. And each one of these teams, if you look at them and think about it, either has struggled early on, has been struggling since early on, or is struggling currently. And that's because it's very difficult to win when you give the ball away more than you take it away. Okay. And we can't harp on that enough. Now, after that, uh, if you can go back to the page of the top 10. Okay, there's your top 10. Let's just go over to the left there, average net points, which is our main category, okay? Again, this is the differential between points scored and points given up, or points for and points against. And as you can see, if you look at this top 10, that's basically the cream rising to the top, okay? For first four weeks, extremely volatile. Right now, stuff is starting to even out. Each and every one of these teams was in my preseason predictions to either win their division or be in second place in their division and get a high seed. Every single one of them. So as far as I'm concerned, I'm extremely happy that me and the net point power rankings are starting to match up. I like that. Uh, okay. Good stuff. Good stuff. Whereas Kirk Cousins would say, you like that. <laughs> Wait, Benny. Did you see the text I sent you today? Yes, I did. That was funny. Was that hilarious? <laughs> oh, my goodness. Guess what? I'll take it. <laughs> yeah, I guess you would, right? I'll take it. I guess you would. Uh, that is amazing. Oh, the text that I sent him was from Good Morning Football with Kyle Brandt called uh, Daniel Jones, Kirk Cousins' cousin. <laughs> I'll take it. And the Cousins funny thing is – He's on a tear, man. He's on a this, tear. This is how they got to that whole statement. They were looking at um, um, Kyler Murray coming to the game in that shocking green suit that he had on. It was horrible. And they were talking about – who they would like to see in that suit. <laughs> and you know Kirk Cousins' name came up. No, stop <laughs> it. That's like really what they're saying is who's the most unlikeliest candidate <laughs> to, wear to wear something like that. <laughs> oh, my goodness. So in any event, that was hilarious. And uh, I, had, I definitely had to share that. All right, you ready to get to the matchups? Yes, sir. 
Matchup time, ladies and germs. That would be the bias plus reports. Bam! With the first game, we talked about the Commanders. The Pro Football Bias Plus reports for the NFL Week 6, 2022. You have the Washington Commanders at the Chicago Bears. The Bias Plus score of five favors the Bears. Favors the Bears. The I like the way you Bears. said that. And again, that stinky <laughs> defense of the Commanders. You got, you got, it's bad enough if Carson wants to get you right on the goal line and can't see three people open or or go ahead and run the ball in. <laughs> couldn't, couldn't happen. But in addition to that, you're giving up all of those points. So who do you like in this matchup? Well, sir, I'll tell you. Yeah, commanders against the Bears. Uh, I'm glad to see Brian Robinson is back. He got shot in the leg right before week one in an attempted carjacking. But the guy has come through okay. He looks good. I mean, he looks good physically. But unfortunately, he wasn't able to do much against the Titans. And uh, neither did the other Washington running backs. Carson Wentz somehow kept his team within striking distance with his arm until he threw an interception on his final drive, which kind of is Carson Wentz-like. Yes, he threw for 359 yards and two touchdowns, but he also got sacked three times. He got hit 13 times, and he put the ball on the turf three times. Although Washington was able to recover all three of those fumbles, he did drop the ball. Now, the Bears' offense isn't very dynamic. Everybody knows that. They try their best to lean on their running game and not lean too much on their second-year quarterback, Justin Fields. But uh, his 208 yards passing was a season – it was actually a season high, actually. Um, the only reason the game versus the Vikings seemed close was the Vikings basically cruised through this whole game uh, kind of fell asleep in the middle of the game after building a lead, allowed them to get back in and then scored late to put them away. But I don't think the Vikings were ever actually threatened. So obviously, um, I'm going to, no, I'm saying obviously, not so obviously, but I'm going to take the Bears at home against the Commandos, Commanders, Commandos, whoever the heck they are. <laughs> All right, say it after me. The Commanders. No, I'm not saying it like that. The Commanders. So you're going with the Bears, eh? Going, going against the, the Bears. Bears. Yes. All right, serves you well last week. Okay, that was the Thursday night game, Benny. Um, and, uh, you know, love the Thursday night game. It kicks off the week. But kicking into Sunday, the first game we have on the schedule at the top of it is one of the 1 o'clock games. It's the San Francisco 49ers, my beloved San Francisco 49ers at the Atlanta Falcons, sneaking up there into that top 10. Bias plus two of 10.6, however, favors the San Francisco 49ers. We got injuries. We got yes. injuries, but we got depth. And apparently we got attitude. And they signed, who's the running back? To Tevin Coleman. Tevin Coleman, yes, they signed him back from the New York Jets. Well, they had him. I think they put him on the, the practice squad, and now then they had him in the in the uh, game last week, and he 
He's like, where'd this guy get the juice from? I'm the, I was going to say joy juice, but the juice, I mean, what? he showed up. He's catching catching passes downfield. and Well, I mean, he always was a pass catching back. His legs should be fresh because the Jets hardly used him. Well, there you go. But he, he showed off for sure, for sure. Well, that's, All right. That's, that's good. Um, Atlanta's home. So Atlanta's home. Niners got to go into Atlanta. Not the easiest place to play, but I don't think they'll feel threatened. They certainly weren't threatened last week. They methodically took the Panthers apart in Carolina. Talk about balance here. You know I love balanced offense, right? 29 runs from scrimmage, 30 pass attempts, almost equal. 400-plus total yards and five touchdowns. One of the five touchdowns came from the defense, which also had four sacks and nine quarterback hits. 49ers are rolling, bro. They're rolling. I know you don't want to get too hyped because that's your team. These boys are rolling. And like you said, Garoppolo still isn't in 100% game shape. Remember, he was just coming off the shoulder surgery. He was just starting to throw again when Trey Lance went down and they had to put him in there. They haven't even fixed the playbook for him. This is crazy. They're rolling. Now, poor Falcons. Without their running game, uh, the Falcons' offense is severely hampered. Uh, Mariota isn't the greatest pass in the world. He can help their run game, but he doesn't throw the ball great, and they don't have good pass blocking offensive line. Uh, they were able to ride it to victory in week four versus the Browns, but the Buccaneers' defense wasn't having that. They played the Buccaneers last week, and they sacked Mariota five times. It was horrible. So they got the run game shut down last week. Mariota got sacked five times. They're not looking real good right now. And if the Niners can play half as good a defense as the Buccaneers did, which I'm 100% sure they can, they will also shut down the Falcons' run game and also sack Mariota several times, and they will win this game going away. Take the 49ers. Take the 49ers going with the bias. Bailey Zappi's going into Cleveland. Ben, this, this is – a potential intriguing game for me. Is it? I just think I just think it's hilarious. Billy Zappy coming in and have it's like Cooper Rush. He runs, you know, it's like these guys are coming in. You don't know who these guys are, are and then they come in and and he put up twenty nine points, twenty nine points on the mountain. Now we know the Lions has have a historically bad defense, but you still put up twenty nine points, which is what you're supposed to do. Right, but you got to remember, it's tough when these starting quarterbacks go down and the backups have to play, and it's even worse when a third stringer has to come in. Nobody has any film on this guy. They're going back to his college career to look at film at this guy so they can see what he does best, okay? So that catches teams by surprise. It really does. Well, you know, um, we've had that discussion before, and it kind of – dictates the the second ascension for quarterbacks once a team once they start playing and teams get film on them and then if can they still play at that high level even if they watched all the film in the world so i'll just say mahomes for example i mean we've seen 
how much film on him. They can't stop him. You know, then. Oh, yeah. Well, we're talking about the difference between one of the best guys in the league and a third stringer. But no, but what I'm saying, what I'm talking about is just there's a, a, a line, a delineation in the levels for you have that new guy with no film and he plays well and then he gets film and he still continues to play well. And that's the question, you know, is he going to, are they well, going to gotta see, we got to wait well. and see. We shall see, you know, but that's kind of what see. makes it intriguing is to see whether he can, you know, make that leap or not, you know, continue to play well. Um, that, that's what I was saying about Gino. I'm like, okay, is Gino going to come out here and, you know, what's he going to do? And man, it's bombs away. We'll talk a little bit more about that. But the Patriots are at the Browns, Benny, who you got? So when we talk about the Patriots, we got to talk about Bill Belichick, okay? Bill Belichick still has it, okay? I'm hearing all this talk about this guy's no good without Tom Brady. How dare you say such a thing? Bill Belichick is probably, possibly, arguably the GOAT of NFL head coaches, okay? He definitely is not done yet. Now, what they were able to do last week was not flashy, but Bill Belichick still knows how to do less with more, probably better than anybody else in the league. Not only you mean, you mean more with less? Did I say less with more? Yes, you did. I meant more with less. Thank <laughs> you. Not only is he the head coach, although he may not say it in name or may not be listed in name, he is the defensive coordinator. And all they're, although they're uh, pretending that that other guy that used to be a defensive coach who is now their offensive coordinator in name, believe me, Bill Belichick is pushing all the buttons on every all three phases of this team. Now, not only did he scheme up a defense to handle the number one scoring offense in the league, which was the Detroit Lions, but they actually shut them out. Yeah. The offense has no real superstars, but they leaned on their current best players, and each one of those guys came through. Their fourth-round rookie, third-string quarterback, Bailey Zappi, only threw for 188 yards, but he did throw for a touchdown and was 17 of 21. Pretty efficient, right? That's what you want. That's, That's right. Want. And if you got a run game, like you said it before, that you have to look at total offense. If they if they right. put how many how many how many yards did they put together total? I got that. Ramondre Stevenson took over for Damian Harris when he went down. I think Damian Harris had about fifty some yards when he went down. Ramondre Stevenson came in and ran for hundred and sixty one yards on twenty five carries. Wow. They pounded them on the ground. Wow, pounded them. And wide receiver Jacoby Myers caught seven balls for 111, and he's just coming back off an injury. But last but not least, what really put them over the top, the kicker. You know, we got to give kickers credit sometimes. We never give them enough. Nick Folk converted five out of five field goals. That's big. Five out of five, that's really big. That's big. Nice, nice job for the Patriots. Now, they're playing the Browns, and they have to go to Cleveland. So the Browns went back and forth with the Chargers last week. This is weird. This, this, this is cool. Listen to this. With 244 left in regulation, the Chargers were up 30 to 28. 
The Browns have the ball. Jacoby Brissett throws a pass into the end zone intended for Amari Cooper and gets intercepted by Chargers safety Aloe Gilman. The Chargers were only able to drive to their own 46-yard line after taking over at the 20 after the interception in the end zone. So they drove from the 20, from the Browns 20 to their own 46-yard line. They found themselves with a fourth and one at their own 46. And Brandon Staley, who is famous for going for it on fourth down, decides to go for it instead of punting. If I'm not mistaken, the Browns were out of timeouts. So the Browns are out of timeouts. You're winning. There's 2.44 left in the game. You're on your own side of the 40. You can punt them deep and force them to drive, but you decide to go for it. He throws a slant to Mike Williams. The pass gets knocked down. This boggles my mind sometimes. I don't understand. I don't know if this was gut move or uh, uh, analytics move. I got a funny feeling it was an analytics move, although the coach may have said that it was gut move. I don't know. Unfortunately for the Browns, the Chargers defense stood up again, and they were able to stop them at the 35. They forced a 54-yard field goal, and the Browns missed the kick. So the Chargers were able to come away with the win. But that was a rough game, uh, very rough game for the Browns. Um, I don't know if they're going to be able to come back off of that one, but they are at home. Uh, this is a tough one to call, but you know what? I'm going to stick my neck out on this one because I like what Belichick's doing with Zappy. I'm going to take the Patriots in this game. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my goodness. All right, Jacoby, you're going to let Billy Zappy come in there and, and, and take that thing from you? Mm, man, that's crazy. That's crazy. I, I, I think I think the Belichick can put this can put the kibosh on the Browns offense. Well, I mean, you know, if anybody can do it, that's the man for sure. I mean, OK. All right. So you're going against the bias. Yes. Going with the Patriots. That is correct. All righty. That's what you do. Okie dokie. This is actually an intriguing game to me. Okay. New York Jets at the Green Bay Packers. Bias plus score of zero. <laughs> Favors a tie. <laughs> what? <laughs> Bias is a tie? The bias is a tie. Now, look. Who would have thunk it? The Jets and the Packers. Come on, man. At the beginning of the season, if somebody told you that, you kidding me? The Jets and the Packers, you'd be like, what? Oh, and, man. You know, it, it's funny because the Jets and the Packers are point two. Okay. Oh, wait a minute. Hold it. Jets. Packers, 0. 0.4, 0. 0.6, right, 0. 0.6 points differential in the Packers' favor. Packers' uh, net points, again, is 0. 0.2, and the Jets are minus 0. 0.4. Okay. So pretty close. But then the Jets are zero in turnover differential, and 
the Packers are 0.6. Ah, interesting. So, ne- excuse me, negative 0.6. Oh, even more interesting. That's so. That's where you had your plus six for the Packers. Your mi- but in turnovers, you had your minus six. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's funny. You have to think about it in, in terms of that uh, that number line because zero is better than minus six. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, long story short, it's a tie. Okay. And, you know, could 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 Aaron Rodgers have this thing about? New York teams now, and are just lost to a New York team. They got this <laughs> other New York team with this young quarterback uh, coming in. You might be bad. You might be reading my mind. You might be reading my mind. That's let me, let me put this little tidbit out there right now, though. Ahmad Sauce Gardner. Uh, I like him for rookie of the year. Rookie of the year. Yes, I don't know if they have rookie of the year or they have a defensive rookie of the year. He's gonna win one of them. He might win it outright, or if they separate offense and defense, I don't know. I forget the awards thing. He'll def- he's definitely the defensive rookie of the year, as far as I'm concerned. So far, I think he's the front runner. Okay. 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 So so let's talk about the Jets real quick. The first play of the game. They send sauce on a corner blitz, something you don't see a lot in the NFL. Teddy Bridgewater throws the ball away, sees him coming, throws the ball away, gets hit, gets called for intentional grounding and a safety. The Jets then go to work. They exert their will on the Dolphins, pound them into submission, and score 21 unanswered in the fourth quarter. <laughs> New York Jets, baby. J-E-T-S. Meanwhile, J-E-T-S. meanwhile, the Packers go to London to play the Giants, take a 20 to 10 lead into halftime, and then fail to find the end zone in the second half. Unbelievable. This thing with Aaron Rodgers and the young wide receivers is real, man. Old man Randall Cobb, who hadn't received more than four targets in any game this season so far, was targeted 13 times. What the heck is going on? Yeah. Packers offense is out of whack, and LaFleur doesn't seem to know what to do with that. I, I, I don't think he can figure this thing out, man. He's at a loss. The thing that I saw, and I, we talked about it when I watched that game, it, it first of all, I was starting to question the Giants because it just seemed like they had, it, it seemed like it was too many trick plays. Like they were, I thought that they were successful on some more fundamental plays, especially when they had to do it in third down because the trick play didn't work. They had the one double reverse and that I, that you guys actually scored on. Okay, but to be quite honest with you, the defender had had the the tight end dead to rights in the backfield, and missed the tackle, <laughs> and he just turned it up and went into the thing. But he was there; it was defended properly, just wasn't executed properly. And it was to me, it looked like it was like a double reverse. It looked like one too many. It was a double reverse. Yeah, it was like. What so, other trick plays did they run? They had a few. They had a few, and and now a they got. Few? They, yeah, and now they're not got, talking about wildcat plays to Barkley, are you? 
That's I've been doing all of that. Yeah. They're not trick plays. That's a wildcat. That's they're not trick plays. The wildcat is is a trick play as far as oh stop it. You take your quarterback out and put the other guy in. The wildcat is not a trick play. The wildcat is is an offensive scheme. What do you mean? What what? I don't get it. Okay, we we'll we'll disagree on that. But long story short, um, it looked as if they were doing they were taking the ball out of Danny Dimes' hands a lot, and it just it was just a, a. I was just comparing it to to the Green Bay Packers, who are very quarterback centric. He's not going to do a lot of running. He's not going to do a lot of that. You know, he's not going to line up wide. <laughs> you know, Rodgers isn't going to be lined right, up. Right, but the team that did all that won the game. Huh? The team that did all that won the game. Team you know why? All because they schemed their game plan the game. to beat the yes. Packers. Yes, they, they did what they need to do to beat the Packers. And yes, it worked. Yes, yes, absolutely, absolutely, you know. Okay. Um, and one thing I did make make mention of, um, Dylan, running back for, for the uh, Packers. Yes. Giants was rocking him. <laughs> he was getting rocked. Again, I spoke Usually highly of the Giants. Usually he's the power back defense. doing the angry runs. Again, I spoke highly of the Giants' defense. <clears throat> Everybody knew they had done a lot of work on their offense. They brought a new offensive lineman. They got Saquon two years off of his injury. He's looking good. And they expected Daniel Dimes to be a little bit better this year. How much better? We weren't sure exactly what we were going to get. But we knew the offense was supposed to be improved. Unfortunately, the wide receiver core has had injuries and all kinds of mix-ups. So we haven't been rolling the way that we wanted to. But the defense, unexpectedly, has really been standing tall. They've really been standing tall, and that's a great thing. So the New York Giants are surprising everybody. I'm sure everybody out there is waiting for them to fall. It may happen, and it may not, but I tell you what, I love the way they started out. Meanwhile, we're not supposed to be talking about the Giants because we're talking about the Jets and the Packers. And by the way, yes, I'm picking the Jets to go into Lambeau and beat the Packers. Yes. (laughs) Zach Wilson. Let's go, baby. Go on with that New York flavor. Okay, here we go. The Jacksonville Jaguars at the Indianapolis Colts. Wise plus score 7.6 favors those Jaguars. They were still pretty strong in the standings. They were kind of successful early on, ran into a problem with the Eagles. Um, What do you think about this one? Well, it looks like the loss to the Eagles in week four may have really brought the Jaguars back down to earth. Trevor Lawrence, who suffered five turnovers in the game against the Eagles, went 25 and 47, uh, which is obviously a horrible percentage. That's horrible. 25 and 47, that's putrid. It was 286 yards. He threw two more uh, interceptions. The defense that was actually playing pretty well early on, even it even showed in, in the net point power rankings, uh, all of a sudden, now they can't tackle. They let running back Damian Pierce break off a 20-yard run during which he ran through seven tackles. This is the Houston Texans rookie running back, Damian Pierce. He broke off a 20-yard run, which doesn't seem very far, but he broke seven tackles before they actually brought him down at the one-yard line. 
that was a run in the fourth quarter of the game. He scored one or two plays later, I forget. Those plays were preceded by number one overall draft pick, Trayvon Walker, linebacker Trayvon Walker, who actually broke into the neutral zone, had a neutral zone infraction, got flagged for it, continued to run into the backfield, grabbed quarterback Davis Mills, and flung him to the ground. You want to talk about a brain fart, bro. That one was huge. That was 15 yards and an automatic first down right before Damian Pierce's big run. That pretty much was the demise of the Jacksonville Jaguars. That kind of thing cannot happen. Um, you said he flung him to the ground. Yes. <laughs> flung him a, to the it's, ground. it's been three weeks. We're since... going to talk about flinging to the ground. So we start talking about this, and it's, it's hitting the fan now. <laughs> Yeah, it really is. Really, <laughs> like two weeks ahead on this, right? But okay. So last week's Thursday night game was the Colts playing the Broncos. Now I'll tell you what. I don't know. <laughs> I guess at the beginning of the season they looked at this as being a pretty good game. This game was a freaking stinker. This game was horrible. This game actually was hard to watch. The Colts won the game twelve to nine. Four field goals they had to kick to get that 12 points. Matt Ryan got sacked six times. He got hit 12 times, and he threw two interceptions. Unbelievable. I cannot pick the Colts in this game, even though they're at home. I'm going with the Jaguars. Going with the Jaguars. Going with the bias. Yes. Minnesota Vikings at the Miami Dolphins. Bias plus score 6.4. Favors those Minnesota Vikings. The Dolphins are down to their third-string quarterback. All that backup quarterback work we put out, just to remind people, go back to Ben and Barry on football. And, and you know, during the 2022 season, we put out something weekly. Before there were games, we were going through all the backups and the brain trust so you know who the GMs. And we talked about, you know, the Broncos situation way back in February, but – all that information is still there. Um, long story short, right now, uh, what's he has a very interesting name. The the quarterback for the for for the Dolphins, the third string quarterback. What's his name? Do you know? Skyler Thompson. Skyler, that's what it is. Minnesota Vikings facing Skyler and the Miami Dolphins. Bias plus score six point four favors the Vikings. Right. So the Vikings got to go down to Miami. I don't know how the heat's going to be down there. You know, that can sometimes be a problem, especially for a West Coast team or a, a Northeast team. Well, not maybe necessarily for a West Coast team, but a Northeast team or a Northern team. Vikings are actually a dome team. So I don't know how the heat would affect them. Probably it would be more to the adverse side than to the good side. But anyway, uh, last week, the Vikings played the Bears. Now, other than throwing one pick, the Vikings' big three, which is Kirk Cousins, Dalvin Cook, and Justin Jefferson, all played really well. They jumped all over the hapless Bears early. Then they kind of fell asleep and let the Bears come back. Then they had a score late, and they were able to win the game, but they never really were threatened. Unfortunately for the Dolphins, after a 3-0 start, including a win over Buffalo, the Dolphins actually looked downright formidable. 
But quarterback Tua Tagovailoa suffered a concussion in the Bills game and then got concussed again the following game against the Bengals, which was actually only four days later, um, which was really not a good thing because they say after you sustain a concussion, it's a lot easier to get a second one. And if you get a second one in a short period of time, that is not a good thing. Okay. Now, backup quarterback. I think that the teams have yet to um, say that he had a concussion in that first, uh, on that first hit. Yeah, well, they already stuck the next out and said that he didn't. So they can't go back on it now. Okay. But he's being treated as if he did. They put him through all the protocols. Now, yeah, they, after they, they claimed that he after, passed after them the, all. The, um, Bengals game, he was definitely concussed. There wasn't any question about that. Right. They claimed that he passed them all, okay, and then he got the second one, which was, you know, the, there was no denying that one because he got laid out. But the fact that he looked the way he looked after the first one is something that caused the NFL – to change the concussion protocol rule, which we'll talk about later with some other quarterback hits. Okay, the fact that when he got up, he was stumbling around, that actually caused them to make a change last Saturday in the rules. How they change rules like this, I don't know, but they did it. But anyway, um, the backup quarterback's Teddy Bridgewater. Uh, he finished the two previous games after Tua went out, and then he started versus the Jets last weekend. First play of the game, and I just talked about this. Poor Teddy Two Gloves gets sacked. They blitz him from the corner. He gets sacked. He doesn't get sacked. I'm sorry. He throws the ball away. He gets hit. He gets called for intentional grounding. He gets a safety. Then he comes out of the game to get his elbow checked, and then – they put him through the concussion protocols. Why? Because a spotter, they have spotters, neurological guys all around the stadium that watch the game. Somebody saw him stumble, and they put him out of the game. That's the new rule. If you stumble, if you look like you've lost your balance or you're not quite sure where you are, they will immediately remove you from the game so that the situation with Tua, who was stumbling all over the place, went into the locker room, came out and played the second half, doesn't happen again. That rule has now been changed. You will not get back in the game if you look like you're not fully physically in control of yourself. So he could have tripped over a blade of grass. Somebody saw him stumble after he got hit, and they took him out of the game. I'm not so sure that's a good thing. Uh, we could talk about, actually, I said I didn't have a rant. I do have a rant, and that'll be it, and we'll talk about that later. Um, anyway, enter rookie seventh-round pick Skylar Thompson. He threw the ball 33 times. That's tough for a third-round rookie. I'm sorry, a seventh-round rookie, third-stringer. Coming into a game like that, he probably didn't expect to do anything but hold the clipboard, but he's in the game. He throws the ball 33 times. He only completes 19 of those passes. None of them were touchdowns. He did throw one interception, 
But he did lead a couple of drives that ended in rushing touchdowns. But in the fourth quarter, the Jets scored those 21 unanswered points. And that was all she wrote for the Jets. I'm sorry, all she wrote for the Dolphins. So that puts me in a precarious situation here, but not really badly precarious because I had a lot of faith in the Dolphins. But I have no clue who their starting quarterback is going to be this week. So I'm going with the Vikings. <laughs> you were going to go with the Vikings anyway. <laughs> True. <laughs> well, let's talk about them Cincinnati Bengals going down to visit the New Orleans Saints. Last plus score of 8.2 favors the Bengals. Hmm. As it should. Man, let me tell you something. Saints, what did I say, what, week two weeks ago? Looks like they're back to the two-quarterback system that they said they weren't going to run. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. Isn't that crazy? Hey, you know what? I'll tell you what, man. These head coaches, they don't want to lose their jobs, okay? They know they have to win games. So they can declare, oh, we're going to do this, we're going to do that. We're not trying to do this. We're not trying to do that. They're going to do whatever they got to do to win games, depending on the circumstances that befall them. That's it, plain and simple. Okay. So we got a team here that's coming off a little Super Bowl hangover. We usually talk about Super Bowl hangovers when we talk about the team that won the Super Bowl. And we'll get to that later, too. But the Cincinnati Bengals were in the Super Bowl. They did not win it, but they don't quite look like themselves. Now, last weekend, they lost in Baltimore by a field goal, 19-17, to 17, low-scoring game. It was their third loss, and all three of their losses have been by a late-game field goal. That's got to hurt. That's got to hurt. They fell behind in the game with Baltimore by 10 points. They fought back to tie it before halftime, fell behind again, again, fought back again. Then they got taken out by the league's best kicker, Justin Tucker, who's just freaking amazing. You want to talk about kickers. Justin Tucker is definitely the GOAT right now. The game between the Saints and the Seahawks last week in New Orleans turned out to be a scoring match between Geno Smith's arm and Taysom Hill's legs. Hill threw for one touchdown. He ran for three more. Geno torched the Saints secondary for three scores of his own. That was crazy. I got to go with the Bengals against the Saints, though. I don't think, even though the Saints are going to be home, I think the Bengals' defense is going to be a little bit better than the Seahawks. I think they'll be able to slow Taysom Hill down because I'm pretty sure after the success the Saints had with him, they're going to come with basically the same game plan to try to move the ball and get things going. But I don't think it's going to work against the Bengals. I'm going to take the Bengals. You know, Taysom Hill is special. That is true. He really is. And, and you know, I'm not real big on having your quarterback do a lot of running. I have my own set of rules for when you run and all that kind of good stuff. He's not a quarterback. Well, that's what you say, uh, you know, but I think he considers himself a quarterback. But he but he does so much, and he's so strong. He catches the ball. I mean, he is Mr. Everything. But 
it's like they have the perfect running quarterback setup. You know, when you want to put a guy in who, who's at the quarterback position and you figure he's probably going to run, but he could throw the ball, <laughs> there's Taysom Hill. You know what I mean? Sort of kind of like a wildcat, huh? Yeah, kind of like, yeah, yeah. Get a little tricky. Uh, yeah, yeah kind of like, yeah, yeah. God is listed a as tricky. a tight end. <laughs> it's a wildcat, man. And that's paid, their offense. They paid him well. They paid him well. As they should. He's a yeah. Swiss Army knife. He's, he's special, no doubt about it, man. I tell you what, they'd be in trouble without him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so it makes me wonder how much they're going to be trying to use him against the Bengals there. I'm sure they will. Yeah. So that's they they kind of have to. The Red Rifle ain't going to get it done. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Almost got through with that a reference of the Red Rifle. Red Rifle. <laughs> Red Rifle reference. Say that three times fast. Well, you predicted your Giants was going to move up. And after this week, they'd be moving up in, uh, what did you say, net points? Yes. Well, they got their work cut out for them with the Baltimore Ravens coming into town. Baltimore is favored with a buys plus score of three. Just three. What do you guys have for the uh, Ravens, man? Tell me. Well, first, let's talk about the Ravens. Lamar Jackson did not have a great day through the air last week against Cincinnati. Now, do me a favor. While I'm going over that last week's game, tell me where, the, uh, where Cincinnati is in points against as opposed to where the Giants are. Cincinnati? Okay. Yes, where is Cincinnati? Not Baltimore, Cincinnati. Where is Cincinnati in points against? And where are the Giants in points against? Cincinnati is eighth in points against, giving up 17.8 points per game. Okay. The Giants, where are they here? Here they go. They're ninth. Ah, giving up 18.6 points per game. Ah, okay. Cincinnati gave Jackson uh, some fits last week. Now, I don't know if it was more of their defense or if it was more of Lamar having a bad day through the air. He didn't run really great either. I mean, he put up yardage, but I didn't jot down exactly how much. It just seemed to be an off day for him. I'm not sure if it was more him or if it was more Cincinnati, but I lean toward it being more Cincinnati, which means I'm probably going to lean toward the Giants having a good day against him. But anyway, uh, he only threw for one touchdown. He also threw an interception. They were actually lucky to win the game. Justin Tucker converted four or four field goals including the game winner, as I said before. Now, here's a fun fact. The Giants are now 3-0 in games played in London. Ha-ha. I heard that early in the morning on my way out the door to my flag football game as I uh, asked the football guys to please bless the Giants to be able to win another game in London as they had twice before when they went to London. And in fact, the football gods granted me my wish. Uh, Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley are the dual leaders of this offense. Neither of them were overwhelming with volume 
as far as statistics go, but both were very, very efficient. Jones was 21 of 27, extremely efficient for Daniel Jones, a people, a guy who people say is not a good quarterback. 21 of 27, 217 yards. He ran 10 times for an additional 37 yards. Barkley had a total of 106 yards from scrimmage, won only 16 touches. The defense did a stellar job holding Green Bay's offense scoreless in the second half. I got a defense that held the Green Bay Packers scoreless for the entire second half of a game, going against an offense who struggled last week against the Cincinnati Bengals defense. I am taking the Giants to beat the Ravens next week. You know, Green Bay's offense is not that great. I wouldn't bank too much in the fact that they beat a Green Bay. I Rodgers. didn't say they were great. It's still Aaron Rodgers. Well, as, as Aaron Rodgers can't. It's still play. Aaron Jones. It's still A.J. Dillon. What did you in. just say? What did you say they did to A.J. Dillon? Oh, they stoned him. Okay. That's true. That's okay. True. They went to work on them boys. They've been running on everybody. All right. They, even if they haven't been winning, even if Rodgers hasn't been great. They've been running on everybody. All right. No problem. They got Saquon. And we all are Saquon fans, no doubt about it. Okay, going with the Giants, going against the biased. The biased plus. Timber Bay Bucks at Pittsburgh Steelers. Hey, Ben, did you see my post? I said I'm going to call the Steelers quarterback. Kenny, the fake slide guy, wicked picket. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's too much, man. You gotta let him go on the on the fake slide. I I'd rather call him Kenny Wicket Pickett. He actually he actually pulled a I think he got a um a flag when he went to slide and the guy hit him anyway. He, yeah, probably. He got well, a flag. See, his, his, his reputation precedes him. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. <laughs> you won't be fake. Listen, let me tell you something, man. This is classic. You won't do that college crap in the NFL, okay? People saw that. We're not the only ones who saw that. They saw that. They're like, dude, you try that in the NFL, I'm going to take 15, bro. <laughs> you kidding me? Jeez. Oh, my goodness. Well, let me tell you something. <clears throat> when the Steelers coaching staff <clears> – <throat> decided to go with Pickett and looked up at the schedule and saw, boom, we got the Bills. Boom, then we got the Bucks. <laughs> That's called trial by fire, man. Yeah, they should have they should have made that move the week before. They really should have. They should have made that move in the preseason. <laughs> nah, can't make the move in the preseason. They should have made it the week. Once they realized Trubisky wasn't going to be any better than they saw he was going to be. They had a they had a Thursday night game, which gave them 10 whole days to prepare for the next game. That was when they should have made the move. All right. Bottom line is, for some reason, they thought Trubisky was going to be <laughs> be this man. He's Trubisky. Somebody else, it was funny, I'm listening to the commentators, somebody else, compared some, one, a quarterback's poor performance to Trubisky. <laughs> I was like, his name is becoming synonymous in the way that we use it. 
When we wow. say he's biscuing it up. Biscuing it up. <laughs> That's sad. Ah, oh, man. All right. You're going with the Bucks, right? Uh, well, I don't know. Let me see. Don't even try. What was the real story of the game between the Bucks and the Falcons last week? Man. The real story of the game was the defense. The Falcons actually had a good running game going. They were winning with their running game. The Bucks shut that down. They held Atlanta scoreless until the fourth quarter of the game. Atlanta did not find the end zone until the fourth quarter of the game. The Bucks' defense is coming alive. And they're getting their offense together. They had a lot of injuries. Godwin is back. Evans is back off his suspension. Even Julio should be back this week. Um, playoff Lenny is becoming regular season Lenny again. He looks pretty good. And they got a rookie that's pretty good catching the ball out of the backfield. So as they're getting their offense together and getting over all their injuries, the Bucs are starting to look pretty good. So, yeah, I'll probably go with the Bucs over the Steelers. I mean, let's face it. Kenny Pickett couldn't have picked the worst time to get picked as the, uh, to have his first real NFL start. He goes to Buffalo. The Steelers are missing three starters on defense. Their run game gets completely dismantled. Pickett throws the ball 52 times. They can't run it. They got to do something. Throws the ball 52 times, never finds the end zone, and their secondary, which is riddled with injuries, gets trashed by Josh Allen. Horrible, horrible. The Steelers have no chance in this game. The Buccaneers will run through them. The poor fans in, in Pittsburgh will be sitting on their terrible towels. Going with the bias, going with the Bucks. Okay, next up, Carolina Panthers at the L.A. Rams. Bias plus score 14.6 favors. Panthers? The Panthers? Are you serious? The Rams been stinking up. That's how bad they're young. Bro, that's how they look. What are you going to do? <laughs> let's, let's, let's look at it real quick because this is the last of the 1 o'clock games, okay? Okay. So that's the last of the 1 o'clock games. The Rams, again, net points, they're 30th at minus 7.2. They're 29th offensively only scoring 16 points per game. They're in 16th place. At least they're in the middle defensively, but they're giving up 23 Point two points per game, and they're in a negative, a negative one on turnover differential. So, just based on past performance and past performances, you know, future results and no guarantees based on past performance. But long story short, they got some work to do. Yes, they do. And I really don't trust the Panthers. But to be quite honest with you, um, Baker's hurt, kind of, sort of, maybe. Well. I would not let, – let, since we're talking about past performance, let's talk about last week. I would not be surprised if the Carolina Panthers are now in full tank mode. These guys got basically nothing to play for, if you ask me. They don't have a coach, right? Fired the coach. They got completely destroyed by the 49ers. Baker Mayfield saved them from having to decide if they could afford to bench him by coming up with an injured ankle. He had a boot, a boot on at the end of the game. 
The head coach, Matt Rule, was unceremoniously fired on Monday, the day after the game. And there are rumors that Christian McCaffrey may be traded. Can't get much worse than that. I think the interim head coach is now Steve Wilkes, who one time was the head coach or interim head coach of the Arizona Cardinals. I forget which. Don't don't quote me on that. Okay. But right now he's the interim there. Now, Rams have nothing to brag about. They had a bad week five also getting embarrassed at home by the Cowboys. Matt Stafford was mediocre at best. The run game was almost non-existent and also non-existent was their run defense, but they will be at home and the Panthers are a complete mess. They'll probably start PJ Walker at quarterback, my man, PJ Walker from Temple. Okay. But it's not going to help them, bro. Rams are at home. I take the Rams to win. I can understand it. Yeah, this is a get-right game for the Rams. Yeah, I mean, you know, whatever the Panthers did well, that's, like you said, it's coming unglued quickly. So, all right. That was the first of the 4 o'clock games. We have Arizona at the Seattle Seahawks. This is an NFC West interdivision or intradivision within the division of the NFC West. <laughs> Bias plus score of 2.2. Favors the Arizona Cardinals. Okay, 2.2. That's perfect for a game like this. Nice small bias. These teams are really close. Uh, Last week, the Cardinals hosted the undefeated Eagles. And the defense actually did a pretty good job keeping Jalen Hurts and company in check. Just enough for the offense to be in a position to tie the game and take it to overtime at the end. Unfortunately, on their final drive, Kyler Murray slid just short of the line to gain on a second down run. Thinking he had made the first down, he was going to spike the ball, and they still would have had 22 seconds to possibly get a little closer for a tying field goal with a couple of sideline passes. But When Coach Cliff Kingsbury realized Murray didn't get the first down, he still elected to spike the ball on third down, taking them to fourth down, and then they had to use replacement kicker Matt Amendola to try a 43-yard field goal, which sailed wide right and caused them to lose the game to the Eagles. Sad way to go out. Let me tell you something. I was in an Eagles bar last Sunday. This this is a really nice bar too, bro. I, you got to come out one time and hook up. These guys are Eagles crazy in this bar. So much so that they have all these TVs in a bar, right? And matter of fact, I'll give them a shout out. It's called Franklin's Pub. It's in East Falls. They got all these TVs all over the place. They had different games on almost every single TV, which is rare, unless you're in an actual sports bar, which I guess you could call this an actual sports bar. When the Eagles game came on, every TV had the Eagles game on. Not only that, they had a DJ who during commercials 
played music, okay, and played the Eagles fight song every time they scored. It, it, it was incredible. It was a great, that was, a, if I was an Eagles fan, I would love this place. It was tremendous. But anyway, <laughs> I know. Anyway, everybody was like this in the bar. Ah! When he kicked that field goal, they're like, no, yeah. <laughs> it was great. It was great. You're uh, all happy because they kept feeding you free drinks for your birthday. Come on. Well, that is true. That is true. It was my birthday. I was drinking well. Now, uh, let me see. Cardinals are playing the Seahawks. So what happened with the Seahawks? They went to New Orleans. They put up a pretty thrilling fight. Uh, they surprisingly exciting Geno Smith threw three touchdown passes. Two of them went to Tyler Lock Lockett. One went to DK Metcalf. Those guys are still the stars of the team. However, it looks like they may have a new star, running back Kenneth Walker III, who is a rookie, took over for Rashad Penny, who got injured. He ran the ball eight times for 88 yards. What's that, like 10, 11-yard average? 88 is 11. Yep. And, 11 he and he scored a touchdown. So the Seahawks ain't dead yet, bro. I got a funny feeling Cardinals are going to go up to Seattle. They're going to face the third man, the third man, the 12th man, and they're going to have some trouble. I'm thinking third because the new third guy or the new fourth guy in there is Kenneth Walker, who gives them a pretty nice boost in the running game. DK and Tyler and Tyler Lockett are still really good. I think I'm going to pick the Seahawks in this one. I'm going to go against the bias. I think Gino can get this one done. All right. Well, they're both in the negative. <laughs> That's the one thing. Arizona's negative 3.6 net points. Seattle's negative 5.4. Ergo, you have the favor for the Cardinals, um, just a little bit less negative. But, uh, yeah, I, I've been surprised by Seattle. And, again, the NFC, guess what? They're out there talking about the, the NFC East is now the best division in football. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? No, I, I can't say that. I can't say that. I think that's a bit much myself. but uh, It's a little bit of a stretch, but they're far stronger division than most people expect. We can't call them the NFC least right now. No, you can't do that. Can't do that. All right. The last of the four o'clock games is another potential intriguing game. Oh, this has got to be it, bro. Everybody's on this game, though. Man, you know, I don't know if I want to be know, like everybody else. Buffalo Bills at Kansas City chasing the Bills have a bias plus score in their favor of 11.8. That's pretty strong. That's a strong bias. Going into Kansas City. Man, okay, the reason, the reason their bias is so strong, I know people are getting tired of me saying it, okay, but the Chiefs defense just ain't that good. But you have to expose them, and you have to score touchdowns, or you're going to be in trouble because Mahomes – can score at will. It's a big deal, okay? He threw four touchdown passes to Travis Kelsey alone last week. I'm not going to get into a whole big deal with this, okay? This is a heavyweight battle. The Bills are coming off a total annihilation of the Steelers, and the Chiefs had to fight tooth and nail to get past the division rival 
Las Vegas Raiders. I'm taking the Bills to roll in the arrowhead and beat the Chiefs. They did it last year. They're going to do it again. Going with the bias. And, and you know something, Ben? This is interesting because, and I know last week I was, I mentioned one of the reasons I chose the Bengals and the Ravens was because it was that classic, uh, two different styles of quarterback, you know, Lamar right. versus Joe Burrow. Right. This setup between these two quarterbacks, we've talked about height and how height impacts a quarterback. And the shorter guys, a lot of times they have to move so that they can get sight lanes and things because the linemen are all 6'6 now. You know, they're running from 6'4 to 6'7. Right. And if you're 5'11, you know what I mean? You, it, it's it's a visual uh, uh, um, hindrance. But if you move, you can, you know, get your sight lanes. And so that mobility really helps. Josh Allen doesn't have that problem. Josh Allen can stand in the pocket with all of those tall guys and toss that thing like he did. And he still has the ability to run that mobility, but it's just, it just kind of illustrates the advantage that a taller quarterback has. Now, you know, the, the taller quarterbacks like Matt Ryan or those guys that are not mobile, you know, they have that advantage, but the additional mobility always helps. And Josh also has that. So, yeah, this is a classic heavyweight matchup. And so sometimes I don't go with the obvious um, with the obvious game. Uh, but that, like I said, that's going to close out. That's going to be 425. Yeah, you almost kind of have to go with this. I mean, let's face it. All the talking heads on television go back and forth about who's the best quarterback in the league right now. Early on, everybody was in the Josh Allen camp then after a few games of Patrick Mahomes working his magic people are all back all over him again but Josh Allen still has the people that say this guy is just amazing you know people are going to talk about Patrick Mahomes all the time they're never going to stop this guy's just magical like I said now they both meet we got the classic not necessarily classic pocket passers, not running quarterbacks, but quarterbacks who are good from the pocket and have the ability to run. And both are pretty good scramblers. I'd say Mahomes is probably a little bit better scrambler. I would say Josh Allen probably moves a little bit better within the pocket, but they both have the ability to run when they need to. Can't ask for anything better than this. What a matchup. What a matchup. Well, Ben, you, you said, you know, this has to be it. This this has to be. Well, it don't have to be because this, <laughs> this next game here. This could be it. Oh, baby. Dallas Cowboys. Cooper Rush coming in in the Philadelphia Eagles. Bias plus score of six favors those Eagles. Eagles barely escaped Arizona. Cooper Rush is playing – Right now, you know, there's no doubt he's going to get replaced by Dak when Dak comes back. But Cooper Rush might have just played himself into a contract at some particular point. And rather than making 800000 Sounds a like year, a raise. Compared to $40 million for Dak, you know. Not um, only that, I would venture to say 
and I, I could be, I could be, this this might be a little hyperbole, okay? But I would venture to say that not only has he pretty much guaranteed himself a nice raise, okay, but he may have put himself in position for teams to be looking to get this guy when he comes up on free agency, either as a top flight backup or possibly a starter. And I'm going to say two things real quick relative to that. Um, there was a, a famous, or not famous, one of the top uh, agents mm -hmm. or athletes. And he said on one of the business shows that the NFL is awash in revenue. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Now he said that. Somebody else said something to the effect of uh, it, it, it's about, it's getting to the point where teams are going to have to really begin to look at how much they're spending on their quarterbacks. Um, and for especially preparing, you know, with that backup. So I've been, I've been kind of pushing for backups to get more money, you know, and for backups to be better, you know, the kind of, kind of guy that, you know, that you can bring in that's doing a job like a Cooper Rush is doing, that's doing a job like a Billy Zappi is doing, you know, that that's getting it done. Um, and, and so, you know, once that happens, hopefully they'll, 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 uh, get, get an increase in their pay also all right dallas cowboys at philadelphia eagles eagles are favored they're home bias for score fix of six fix six who you have eagles got the bias right as they should they're undefeated i like that okay so when we just talked about the bills and the chiefs you notice i didn't do what i normally do when i talk about the previous week with the two teams and the teams that they played I don't throw around stats and throw around players' names. I didn't say Josh Allen did this, Mahomes did that, da 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 I'm going to do the same thing with this game. This one is for the undisputed lead in the NFC East. Dallas is 4-1, and one, and they're on a four-game win streak. And they're coming off a dominant win over the defending Super Bowl champs on the road in L.A. That was big. Philly had to hang on and hang in there and had a late scare before they grabbed a road win against the Cardinals. It was a bit precarious. That being said, I believe that the Dallas Cowboys, sorry, y'all, the Dallas Cowboys are going to come into the link and they're going to come away with a road victory against the Eagles. <laughs> I know, I and, and I've been rooting for the Eagles. I've been picking the Eagles to win week after week. But I'm telling you, I think the Cowboys have the defensive structure to really slow the Eagles down. And if they do, that solid offense is going to do the job. They're going to eat clock. They're going to drive the ball. They're going to keep Jalen Hurts off the field, and they're going to come away with the victory. 
All right. This is going to be a classic matchup. Like, hey, you see, you see my challenge here, picking the intriguing game here. We have an yes, undefeated sir. team, an inner division. I see it. Rival. Holy mackerel. Sheesh. All right, Benny. We're going to wrap this up with the Monday night game. That was the Sunday night game uh, we just mentioned. Right. Everybody can focus in on this one. And you know I like those types of games for the intriguing game where you can watch the whole game and see what happens. Um, when you talked about, for example, uh, Cincinnati, the Bengals, and some of the decisions that the uh, coaches was making, I'm like, these guys is down there in the red zone. They stalled out. No, I'm not going to kick this field goal and tie the game. Oh, oh gosh. I, I was glad that they lost by the same amount of the decision that they made because it's like, play football. Just play. You know something? When the score is tied, it's a new game. It's a new game. You can do all types of stuff, even if it's only three minutes left. I just thought that that was just uh, ridiculous. In any event, you are going with the Cowboys and that speed that they have at defense. Oh, that is going to be an interesting matchup. All right. Let's wrap it up with the Monday night game. I'm actually a little bit intrigued with this game also. Just a little bit with the Denver Broncos and the Chargers. <laughs> L.A. Chargers. Bias plus score of only 1.4 favors the Broncos. Really? Yeah. You know, I was under the assumption that the Chargers would have the bias in this game. I the don't Chargers know why. Have negative 2.8. Excuse me. Yeah, they're not they're not playing as well as I expected them. I'll the tell Broncos you, the truth. are only negative one. Yeah, the, the, remember when I said when we looked at the top ten of the average net points, I said every team in the top ten I either picked as a division winner or a team coming into second place in their division, thus getting a high seed in the playoffs. There was one missing. And that was the Chargers. I picked the Chargers to win the AFC West, and they are not looking like they're worthy. I don't know. It's still early. They could get it together. But anyway, man. they got they got problems from the head coach down. So when you they, got that type of yeah, they, you know, yeah, they got injuries. They got all kind of stuff. But their head coach, he continues to make decisions that kind of boggle everybody's mind. Um. What did he say? I got the go ahead to go for it, and, and people are saying the go ahead. You're the coach. Who, who's telling wait, you go ahead? He said that. Yeah, he said that. Um, I forget what player it was, but they decided to go for it. And he said, "I got the go ahead," and we know he brought in somebody that was supposed to help him with those decisions. But to say that, what? Oh, you're talking about the Broncos? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, it, it was kind of weird. It was kind of weird. But, okay, you're going to go with? Well, Russell Wilson got sacked four times last week. He got hit eight times. He threw two interceptions, and he didn't throw any touchdowns. And that was against the Indianapolis Colts. Okay? Basically, enough said. However, the Chargers led the Browns 30-28 to 28 last week. And like I said when I talked about the Browns, it was 244 left. Jacoby Brissett had just thrown an interception and gave the Chargers the ball back and an opportunity to run out the clock. 
They got stuck at their own 46. So they're on their own side of the 50-yard line. It's fourth and one, and they decide to go for it. But they don't run the ball. Austin Eckler is ripping through the Browns' defense, but they don't run the ball. They try to throw it. It's unsuccessful. The, the defense has to come back and save them again and stop the Browns and make them kick a 54-yard field goal, which they miss in order for the Chargers to get the win. However, all that being said, the Broncos are a total disaster. Take the Chargers. Oh. Going against the bias, going with the Chargers. Absolutely. Okay. Well, you know something? Classic when you start to look at the, the numbers here, because the Denver has the 31st rated offense, only scoring 15 points per game. But they have the fifth-ranked defense, only giving up 16. The Chargers have the ninth-ranked ninth offense, scoring 24.4 points per game. But they have the 30th-ranked defense, giving up 27.2 points per game. Yeah. That's what kind of makes this a little intriguing to me. Right. Who's going to get their act together? Because this is kind of that point. You know, we're out of the second preseason. So teams that, you know, should be basically, you know, getting their act together. And, you know, this is the time when it's going to start. It need, it has to start the show or you're going to be pretty much out of the playoffs. So Absolutely. That's about it for that. All right, Benny. Guess what we have this week coming up? What do we have this week coming up? Buys. No. We have buys for all of you uh, fantasy people, right? They got to know when the bye weeks are. Yes, sir. Yes, the Detroit sir. Lions, the Las Vegas Raiders, the Tennessee Titans, and the Houston Texas Texans are all on the bye. All on the bye. So only 14 games this week. We'll see how we make out with the with the numbers. And then we wrap up the bias plus reports with the team who was the bias plus buster of the week the new england patriots Bailey zappy billy zappy with an unfavorable bias plus score of 6.2 but a net win of plus 29 <laughs> over those lions holy mackerel bias plus buster score of 35.2 congratulations to the new england patriots as you said belichick Still got some juice left. All right. Well, that's all I got, Benny. What you got? I got a rant real quick. This whole rough in the passer thing. We 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 gotta we gotta get this fixed. What game was it? We <laughs> yeah, when I say we, I'm like I'm part of the NFL, right? Yeah, I, mean, I feel like I am. Brendan Barry on football shows up at the meeting. Yeah, right. <laughs> the owner's meeting. All right, guys, look. Yeah, I wish. <laughs> I wish, bro. Let's face it. Player from the Chiefs rushes the quarterback, right? Am I in the right game? Yeah, okay. They're playing who? Chiefs were playing the what Bengals? 
Bengals. No. I'm sorry. No, was it? Who, who did they? Who did they beat? I've been, I've been drinking all day, all the all through this whole thing. <laughs> uh, give me a second. The Raiders. The Raiders, right? I'm sorry. Okay. The pass rusher actually makes contact with the quarterback, strips the ball away, has possession of the ball, is falling on the quarterback, puts his other hand down to brace himself so that he doesn't put his full body weight on the quarterback and still gets called for roughing the passer. I don't think that's correct. I don't think that's a good call. I don't think anybody thinks that was a good call. Everybody that I heard talk about it during the game and after the game said it was a bad call. Okay? In order to fix this so that this doesn't happen again, the NFL, who all of a sudden is showing a, a, a likelihood to just change rules or come up with new rules on the spur of the freaking moment, needs to do another one and make this situation reviewable. Okay? You got to look at it again. Because the referee said that he made the call because he thought the defender put his full body weight on the quarterback. When in fact, he tried his best not to, which was commendable, but he also had possession of the ball and could have gotten up and run with it and scored. Instead, had a penalty called against him. That play should be reviewable. I agree. I think that, you know, those type of plays should be reviewable. They're, they're game-changing plays. Big time. Uh, that was – some people called that one of the best defensive plays of the year to have gotten that and gotten the ball from him all in one move. So I, I right, and it's say. all for naught because of a referee call. What 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 we're seeing, I believe, is an overreaction to the tour situation. Right, um, the rules, the emphasis. Some of the rules things aren't necessarily new, but there's an emphasis there that wasn't necessarily there before, and. You still have a lot of people who are talking about, you know, that they're, they're making the game too soft. Apparently, uh, who was it? Troy Aikman is in trouble for saying, you know, that they, you know, what he said something about it turning into for girls or something like that. He said something of that nature. What I heard the flag football thing, but I didn't hear that. That's what it was. But in any event, well, um, you can't say it's girls. You can't mention girls. You can't mention girls. You can't mention skirts. You can't mention um, tag, flag. <laughs> you can't mention those things because the the higher-ups in the NFL don't want to hear that because they're afraid of what it'll do to the thought process of the fans. I don't blame them, okay? But then when you come up with knee-jerk reactions like, I got spotters all over the stadium. And if a quarterback gets tackled and then gets up and stumbles, he has to be removed from the game. 
flat out. You can't go in the tent, go through the protocols, and come back. No, you're out of the game. They just came up with that. And Teddy Bridgewater passed the protocols. Yes. And they still yes. would not let him but back because in. Because somebody saw him stumble, he was removed from the game. They just came up with that rule the day before. No, 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 no. There was oh. something there there was something that um, one of the, the field of guys that do, do the NFL reporting. There, there's a term and it had something to do with motor stability or something. Yes. yes. And they said when they show a gross insta motor instability or something, it's the same as like a, 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 um, a concussion protocol. They're supposed to take them out of the game. That rule was already there. So there was that rule could have been used to take Tua out of the game when he first got hurt. So you're right. It's the emphasis that was a rule that was in that was not followed in the Tua situation, and now there's an emphasis on it. Also, we talked about the, the tackling where they're slamming the people into the ground, and I, and I heard Brady. it. Brady. I'm sorry, what was that? Brady. Right, exactly. And, and I heard that this tackling technique was called, I think they call it the alligator technique. Where they, you know, alligator grabs, and I guess he spins. Right, and they spin their body, yes. Right. Well, apparently this is, and we mentioned this, a tackling technique that's being taught. Right. So, I don't so know. that they don't put their body weight on the quarterback. Right, exactly. But what they get out of it is the ability to spin that guy into the ground. I saw it, and we, you and I debated this kind of hotly last week, but I saw them do that to Josh Allen. Right. And he got up. It was, right. you know, you can, you, you ain't spinning him like you're spinning to it. Right. <laughs> Brady getting, got up. You know, Brady got up. These are bigger guys and they were able to cushion themselves in that, but that's what they're doing. And, and it's interesting to see that they're teaching this technique and then to some degree penalizing the defenders for doing it. <laughs> right. So crazy. We'll see how that works out. All right. That's it for me. I'm done. Go nose. <laughs>